I'm Dave Dolphin, sharing ideas, tips, and practical advice for the everyday worship leader. And now, you're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this show was created to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every month, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever app that you use to listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You might be familiar with the, the weekly videos that I produce on YouTube. Practical Worship kind of started in that lane as far as making videos on YouTube. And the next natural progression seemed to be a podcast. And so this is like the first official episode, I guess, actually launches here in a couple of weeks on May the 4th. And the the normal structure of the show is going to be me interviewing other people that are thought leaders, have experience, knowledge, expertise in various areas of worship leading. And I'm just going to be the one that interviews them. But I thought for this first episode, um, as we you know, kind of like a precursor to the official launch, it would be kind of fun to maybe even share the story of where practical worship even came from, how it got started, maybe a little backstory on me and how I became a Christian and got into worship ministry. So I guess in a, in a way, I'm kind of interviewing myself on this episode. It also gives me an opportunity to have an episode that I can get out there and go ahead and get all the things set up for iTunes and Stitcher and all these different places, Google, all the different places that you listen to podcasts. So it kind of kills two birds with one stone. So this episode is going to be a little bit different, but you can find show notes for this episode and every episode by going to practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast one. That's going to be the structure. If you ever want to find show notes for a particular show, you just go to practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast and then the number of the episode. This is episode number one. Well, my story goes back to uh, Chicago. I'm originally, I, I live in the Oklahoma City area. I've been in Oklahoma City since 1985, but I'm originally from the Chicago area, specifically Schaumburg. And uh, I really didn't go to church. Um, I do remember here and there going to church. Uh, but my few times with uh, my experience, uh, at least back then, wasn't very positive. I remember on a Wednesday evening, uh, my parents would take me to uh, this uh, this church, and they had like a youth group, whatever. But I just I never connected with anyone, and everyone was kind of mean to me. And that's that's no dig on my parents; they were just trying to get me involved, and it just wasn't a good fit. And so I told my parents, "I don't like this." And uh, they didn't they didn't make me go. But so but my first kind of early introductions into the church weren't all super positive. But growing up from the very as long as I can remember, music has always been something that I have just engrossed myself in. My mom loves to tell the story that when I was young, I must have been, I don't know, five, six, something in that in that area. I guess I need to do the math. But uh, I loved the song Man Eater by Hollow Notes. And, uh, and I would run around the house all over the place all the time singing, Oh, here she comes, 
watch out boy she'll chew you up like i would sing that over and over because i liked that song (laughs) you know and me being a parent now i mean i can i can totally empathize with this like when your kid picks up on something and you're like i don't know if they should sing that or what are my neighbors gonna think like all all of a sudden we're gonna be in public and he's gonna be singing these songs and what does that say about me as a parent but i didn't know what i was singing i had no idea what a man eater was i'm thinking like a monster you know like a purple monster that's like oh it eats like eats people like it eats candy i had no idea what the song was about but uh i always loved music i am a product of the 80s i love all the music that came out of that era new wave and just kind of the glam rock that came out of the 80s i loved all of that and uh, in 1985, my parents moved to Oklahoma. My dad had an opportunity to uh, go to work for a company that was uh, do, was in the oil business. And 85, that was the oil boom. And so he was kind of riding that train, had a good opportunity. Unfortunately, we came to Oklahoma just in time for the oil bust because that happened in 1986 and, and following. And so now we had to figure out, are we going to, because that company actually moved on to Houston and we looked into the possibility of maybe looking to Houston. But Oklahoma has this thing. And those that, that live in Oklahoma, you might attest to this. There's something about Oklahoma that just gets its claws in you and it is next to impossible to leave. We had some friends um, that um, came to Oklahoma that were, she was just coming here for grad school. And so they were from like the Arizona and, and Minnesota area. And so they come into Oklahoma, they start going to our church and we were meeting them and they're like, yeah, we're just here for grad school. The quicker we can get out of here, the better. And that was two houses and two kids ago and they finally did leave 10 years later it was like kicking and screaming Oklahoma is just that way and so we decided to stay and my dad had some opportunities uh, with some jobs to stay here and so I went to high school here I went to the University of Oklahoma Oklahoma has been my home for the last 30 plus years and musically speaking, you know, I, I always, again, had that passion for music. I started taking piano lessons. That was the first instrument that I would I would take. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, you know, the, you know, the, the, the very like the introduction books to piano where, you know, you map out these songs that have like three notes in them or whatever. And I remember doing that. But I, uh, I remember when I was in the sixth grade and I learned what a chord was. You know, I had this piece of music and uh, it was something we were doing in school. It was the song The Duke of Earl. And it had this thing at the top where it just said E flat and, you know, and, and I, once I, and it showed the fingering, like what, how to play an E flat. And so once I figured that out, I realized what a chord was. I was like, okay, I'm done with this reading music stuff. Just give me chords and I'm good to go. And that took me like all next level. But piano was the first instrument that I played. But then in high school, I started playing the drums and had an interest in doing that. And I didn't have a drum set. But I was able to, I, I took a trash can, like a, like, a, like a metal trash can, and I turned it upside down. And then I used that as a kick drum, but I didn't like kick it, I actually hit it. So I just turned it upside down. And then for my snare, I took a shovel, like a metal shovel, because it, it made a nice whack sound, like it had a good crack to it. And then for my hi-hat, I had a Cadillac metal hubcap on a tripod. And so it was boom, cack, boom, cack. I mean, that's that was my drum set. And the, my sticks that I would use, you know those plastic extenders you use for your vacuum cleaner 
where you can extend out, like, you know, if you need that vacuum cleaner nozzle to go higher so you can get up into the ceiling and the cracks or whatever. So I had these big, long extensions. They were plastic. They were probably about two or three feet long. And so these big old things that I'm hitting, and it it, it worked. It was, I, I loved it. And my parents tolerated it. And that's kind of how I, I learned how to play the drums. And eventually... My parents realized that this was more than just like, you know, a, a, a passing fad. Like I was really interested in it. And so eventually I was able to get a drum set, not cymbals, mind you, but I, for a hundred dollars, we bought a drum set for like a kick and, um, and a snare. The snare was broken. Like the head underneath was broken. So it didn't make a snappy sound. It just kind of went thump, thump. But again, it was something to hit and I could practice on it. It had toms and everything. It was actually a good, it was a good little Rogers kit. I liked it. And then a little bit later, they realized this is still not going away. He's really practicing. He really enjoys this. And so my parents for Christmas got me some stands and some cymbals and a snare drum. And man, I use that kit for, gosh, maybe 10, 10 years. Um, and so until I upgraded to something a little bit, you know, more, uh, you know, higher end. Um, so as a senior in high school, I started playing drums for a church in, in Norman. Norman is South, uh, South Oklahoma city. It's where the university of Oklahoma is. And there's a church down there called Trinity, uh, which is kind of ironic because the church that I currently serve at is also called Trinity. It's just in Yukon, and there's no affiliation. It just happens to be the same name in two different towns. But Trinity and Norman, uh, their youth group, I started playing drums for that. I had a friend of mine who was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but he was a Christian. And he's like, hey, you should come play drums for our youth band. We play U2 songs. I was like, whoa, that's cool. I mean, and again, this is like early 90s, and I'm thinking like, Joshua Tree. I'm thinking where the streets have no name, bullet with blue sky. I mean, this is what I'm thinking about. And it was kind of a bait and switch because I got there and none of these songs sounded like you two. I mean, not even remotely close, but the the people were so nice and they were so friendly and I felt accepted and I enjoyed playing music with a band. And so I stuck it out and I came back the next week and I came back the week after that. And I just, all of a sudden it was a weekly thing I was doing, which I did find out what he meant about the U2 songs, because there is a song that U2 did that's based on Psalm 40 and it's called 40. And that's what he meant. Um, (laughs) But anyway, bait and switch, but it still got me there. And then, so I, I did that for months and months and months where I was getting plugged into this youth group uh, that was at this church in Norman. And one night they brought in this special speaker and he was an evangelist and he just, he, he, he drew a line in the sand and he said, look, you're either a Christian or you're not. You're either following Jesus or you're not. There's no middle ground. So where are you? And I went through all the things about, you know, I'm a good person. There's all these things that I I do. But he clearly outlined it and said, you're either on this side or you're on the other side. And there's no in between. And that really hit me. In fact, it was super uncomfortable. Like I, I was actually for a time mad at this evangelist, but he was just pointing out what the reality is. And so that night, 
remember uh, being on the steps of the of the building outside where we would normally meet on Wednesday evenings and talking to, I was a senior, talking to the sixth grader, just what does it mean to be a Christian? What is that guy talking about? And he shared some verses with me. And I remember that night going home thinking to myself, okay, God, if this is real, then I want it. I want this in my life. I want you to come in. And that was February 2nd, 1992. And that's where I became a Christian. Now, so here I am, senior in high school. I'm a Christian uh, and trying to figure all of this out now because this is a brand new thing and still have this love for music. I still continue to play drums for that youth group. I did some things with Young Life. And then, you know, the next year I was a freshman now at the University of Oklahoma. I got plugged in with uh, the, the Baptist Student Union and I played in that band. But I remember the first time that I led worship. I was in a Sunday school class and it's a small little 12 by 12 little room. And I don't know what it is about Baptist churches, but it seems like Baptist churches, every single Sunday school room has a piano in it. And this was the case. And so there's this old piano upright in the corner, hasn't been tuned since I was born probably. And someone, it was like a college class and someone said, Hey, you know, it would be fun if we had, you know, what if we started with some worship? Hey, Dave, you play piano. Would, would you, you know, can you play us some songs? And I'm thinking, okay, what, what do I, what do I know off the top of my head? I need to know words and chords. And, and so the first thing that came to my mind was the song, Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus, celebrate. Da, 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 da. So I just started playing that song. And I'm sitting here playing this piano with my back to everybody singing and playing. And I remember thinking to myself, besides being incredibly nervous, thinking to myself, I'm leading worship. And just that was my first experience with that and just how to use music to lead other, to pull people towards God and, and, and for them to connect on that level. And so between uh, you know, leading in the, the college ministry at my church and also at the BSU. And I played drums for the main band you know, on Sunday mornings at that same church, by the way, that Trinity Baptist Church in Norman. That was my home church for, for 20 years. So my start is there, and it's eventually where I met my wife and my kids. You know, That was a part of their early childhood and everything. That, so that, that's always been an anchor in my life. And because I played the drums in the worship band, I had these opportunities uh, much, much later in life. We're talking, you know, in the, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, you know, kind of in that area where um, our main worship pastor would allow me to fill in as the worship leader at church like 10 or 15 times out of the year, which is a lot. And it would free him up to do other things and get a break and do different things. And I was able to kind of cut my teeth on what does it mean to lead worship? How do you lead a band? How do you deal with volunteers? How do you deal with a congregation that may or may not like the direction of where things are going? Because I would do things a little bit differently. And I and I love the fact that our church was very, they allowed me to be me because our, our worship style at that church uh, was a little bit more softer. I mean, it was contemporary. There was drums and we were doing, you know, modern songs, but it was compared to what I would do as far as bringing in electric guitar and all that. They always affectionately called, like when they saw me up on stage and it was my weekend to lead, people would say, oh, we're having rock and roll church today. 
And it, but it allowed me to figure out some things because there were some some pretty big failures in terms of there were certain songs that I selected that I realized that doesn't work. Uh, there were some things with dealing with volunteers and leadership things that didn't work. Uh, things that I would say from stage that I look back now and I'm like, you bonehead. <laughs> I can't even believe that you would say that. That is that is so idiotic. But I was able to cut my teeth and figure that out. And I'm so appreciative to that worship pastor who still is the worship pastor at that church, by the way. His name is Randy, and he's an incredible, he's the kind of guy that you just want to be like when you grow up. He's incredible. And I always appreciated that, that he allowed me that much freedom and trusted me as I was trying to figure all of this out. So here I am. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously an adult, married. I have three children working in, um, you know, in the business world, working for a publishing company and leading a, uh, a production team and also doing a lot of things with, with IT and programming. And so that was kind of my, my day job. And I was, you know, I was, I was doing ministry like every Christian should be. And I was involved in that, but I started recognizing this call in my life because I, the thing I wanted to find out was I really enjoyed leading worship. I looked forward to this opportunities. There was even a time where the main guy took a sabbatical for nine weeks. So for nine straight weeks, I was the worship leader for this church. And I, and I loved it. And, it. and I didn't love it like, hey, look at me. I get to sing and look at, you know, it wasn't about that. It was about using music as this vehicle to point people to to God, to help them maybe for a moment forget about the troubles in their world and just be reminded about who God is and how crazy he is for people and how when those troubles are there that we can sing a song like It Is Well. I enjoyed that. And so I had to start wrestling with, is this something that I enjoy? Is this a hobby or is this something greater? And so I started talking to some of the pastors that were on staff at this church. And I was like, how, what does the calling in your life look like? Like, how did God, how did you know that you were being called into full-time ministry? Not that God calls people all the same way every single time, but I was looking for patterns and just to kind of see like, what does it look like for you? And then I could kind of discern for myself what that, what that was like. And so I talked with a couple of those guys and and uh, what they said really resonated. And then I finally sat down with our senior pastor, who's really good at counseling. And and so I sat down with him and just kind of laid it out and said, hey, I'm trying to figure out, am I called to this? Is this what I'm supposed to do vocationally? And he said, well, you know, exp- you know, let me into your world. Like, how do you, when you prepare for a Sunday, what do you do? And I to- told him about how, you know, how I pulled the songs and how I choose the songs and how I lead the people and, you know, both the, the volunteers on the team and also the congregation and how I pray through the set list. And I told him about this blog that I had where I would write these articles and he just, <laughs> I'm telling him all this and he just leans back and he smiles and he folds his arms and he's like, yeah, normal people don't do that. I think you're called to this. And so I went home that night and I told my wife, I said, I think I'm being called to worship ministry and we need to take the next step. She said, well, what's the next step? I was like, well, I think it's just admitting that this is, that this exists 
and then just be ready for our marching orders, just to have our, our ear tuned to hear what God, where God might lead us. And so we, we did that. And then, you know, we thought that it might be months and months and months and months before God would stir, but it actually turned out to be like two or three months. And all of a sudden, because when, when I had that meeting with my senior pastor, that was August. And then it was January, and I was on staff at Trinity Baptist Church in Yukon, which is where I'm at right now. So it happened a whole lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, the, you know, it was about three months from the from the first conversation I had with Trinity to the moment that their their uh, congregation voted to to make me their worship pastor. And so it happened a lot quicker than I expected. And it's been a wild ride. The last five years have been a wild ride, but I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed every most, I've enjoyed most every minute of it. Uh, I, in the moments that I didn't necessarily enjoy at the time, I enjoy the person that it has made me now, the things that I've learned from that. You know, it's the whole thing from James where we count it joy to be in trials, even though that you may not enjoy it at the moment, it does make you who you are. I love, I love that mercy me song. Dear Younger Me, and, you know, because a lot of songwriters have written a song, you know, about, like, what could I go back and tell myself if, you know, if I could go back 20 years and talk to my younger self, what would we do? And I love his spin on it because he, he, he's wrestling, he's, he's not even necessarily telling, like, here's what I would tell myself from, you know, it, my, you know, this is what I would say to someone from myself from 20 years ago. It's wrestling with the idea of, you know, realizing that I could tell them this and they could do things differently, but it's those hard things that I went through that made me the man I am today. So would I want to give that up? If I, yes, my life would be easier, but I wouldn't be the, who I am today. And so would I want to give that up? And I love that. And so I, I recognize that in my life that even though that, because ministry is hard. And if you're involved full time in ministry, whether you serve on the team, um, uh, you know, on a volunteer basis, or if you, you know, this is like, this is your job, this is your vocation, like, you know how hard ministry is, and I'm no exception to that, and there are days that make you just want to crawl up into a ball and cry, but um, but it is those moments that make you who who you are, and and I, and I recognize that, and, and, and through all of this, and this probably permeates through Hopefully, this podcast, through the blog, through practical worship, through the vi- the videos, anyone who's ever emailed me, I love to teach. I love to share the knowledge and the experience that God has given me for the benefit of someone else. When someone else reads something that I've written or watches a video that I have uh, I've put out there, and they come back to me and say, hey, my team and I watched your video on whatever the topic is, and we had an hour and a half conversation about it, and we're going to make these changes because of that video, and we're going to be better because of it. Thank you. Like, that's, there's nothing better than that, to be able to to pour into someone like you and uh, your ministry and to know that I have fingerprints in the things that you're, that God is leading you to do. And so that's why I do the blog. That's why I do the videos. That's why I feel like the next, um, 
the next level, the, the next progression in all of this is the podcast. Uh, the benefits to doing a podcast, because I'm still going to continue doing the YouTube channel. Like that's not going to change. And there is value in here's a topic. We're going to take 10 minutes and we're going to unpack it because you can, it's easy to kind of plug that into your day and to be able to wrap your head around that pretty quickly and then move on to the next thing. But there's just some topics that take more than 10 minutes to unpack. It just, you need more time to be able to, to do that. And then there's also been a lot of people that I've wanted to collaborate with that have much more experience and knowledge in particular topics that I personally want to learn from. If nothing else, I'm doing this podcast so I can selfishly have these conversations with people so I can get better. But if you can listen in on the conversation and you can get better, that is great too. It's a win-win-win across the board for everyone that is involved. And so the podcast is a way to be able to do that. So I'm excited to start on this adventure. I think we have some great guests lined up that you're really going to enjoy and that you're going to learn from that is going to still kind of be in the same the same kinds of things you found at YouTube, the same kinds of topics that have to do with leading a worship band and being a leader of people. We're going to tackle those. We're just going to go a little bit deeper and a little bit longer in a podcast format that's allow us that's going to allow us to do that and to be able to bring in some guests that can help us that it's sometimes it's really hard a lot of times it's really hard to collaborate with people on YouTube if they don't have the video equipment that you need so that's why if you see me collaborate with someone on on YouTube most of the time they are already YouTubers that have their own channel. So this allows me to just connect with someone who has a Skype connection or honestly a phone because you can get on Skype and make a landline call. And so at the end of the day, it's just a really uh, interesting conversation that hopefully just being a fly on the wall, we can all learn and we can grow from that. And so if you want to see show notes from this episode or any episode, uh, this episode is going to be at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast one. And any episode, the format's just going to be podcast and then the number. And you can find if we talk about particular products or services, or if you want to find that person on social media, all those different things, you can find those show notes there. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And especially if you listen on iTunes, would you consider leaving an honest five-star rating and review. I know this is kind of like the pre-episode. It is episode one, but it's kind of, we're just getting started. So I understand that you might want to listen to one or two other episodes before you do that. But if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're excited about the, the future of it, leaving a rating really does help to get the word out in the search results. Uh, and that way we can uh, we can help more people. So I'm excited for this journey. This is going to be a great time, and I'm glad that you're coming along for the ride. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again the first Friday of next month. Watch out, boy, she'll chill you up. Oh, here she comes. She's a man-eater.